thumbs are up. We have introduced what we are calling the holding bay this year uh, to the draft 100 for those that both are not in the draft 100 yet or are just on the outside, the bubble. Um, but because we are starting to sort names into the draft 100, the holding bay currently has 98 names. And there's a handful already put into place in the draft 100. So we have some pairing down to do. But as we kind of look at the holding bay, we thought, well, why not hit record and talk about some of the guys that we think are probably going to be in the uh, in the 100. But because of the holding bay introduction this year, we haven't quite sorted them into their place and where they're going to be going yet. So uh, Connor and Neil, Wade Zanketa, as usual, draft season is here. And Connor, any is here. Like as we kind of got the list of eligible players and guys that had opted out, Curtis Rourke. Um, first takes as you kind of looked through the list of guys that you know we weren't sure who would defer, or who wouldn't. We obviously knew like who was heading into that draft year, but just kind of the crop of guys that we have. Yeah, you were you and I were texting back and forth about it like as soon as we were able to kind of figure out some of these guys that were going to be draft eligible, I think one of the first things we said was, wow, this is really lineman heavy on both, both sides of the ball, offense and defensive line. The other thing that you said uh, that you can expand on as well is it was really, you know, sneaky wide receiver heavy as well. Yeah. And I sneaky in the fact that like, we don't have Phil pop brothers. We don't have those guys who are homegrown talents that like, Everyone recognizes is holy shit. Yeah, these guys are these guys are different level playmakers, but we have a ton of really good athletes or a ton of really unique body types. Um, and a lot of guys that are really aggressive towards the ball. I mean, looking at it, we have a top receiver from each of the RSEC programs. Um, Darius Simmons from McGill, Zeke TA from Concordia, who if we don't remember, made that spectacular catch in the Laval game um, last game of the regular season, I believe. Uh, we have Will Longley from McGill. We have Charles Giroux, who didn't have a big impact last season, but was an East-West bowler. Um, like, we got a ton of guys. Carl Shabbat's an interesting one with Montreal. I know the size and stature um, conversation is going to be had with him, but He's a lot smaller than some of the guys that we've had these conversations about in the past years. But at the same time, he's an elite playmaker with the ball in his hands. Um, and then we got some NCAA guys too. Dell Duncan Busby, who was on the scouting bureau, um, the Miji State Beaver. This guy's played, what was the number I texted you, Connor? Like 47 career starts. Yeah. 48 career starts. Like if you want a polished product, this is your guy. So uh, really exciting time, really exciting start to the draft 100. Um, I didn't even touch some of the OUA guys, Connor. Mo Jamal, right? We've got Mendron, Gendron, Melanfant. Might as well be Melanfant and Gendron mixed together. Uh, Hunter Brown from Carlton, who was a spectacular target for them this year. 
Oh, wait, did I mention Kevin Mittal? I missed out Laval's top target and, you know, Heck Crichton winner for two seasons. Crichton, yeah, I was going to say. We have a ton of guys. Sukar from Waterloo. Um, Every time I say, talk about Justin Sukar, I always think of uh, Coach telling us about the piss and vinegar in the preseason this year. Yeah. Um, No, we have a really good class of wide receivers where last year we saw the DBs kind of dominate with length. This year, I think it might switch. Yeah, and you didn't even hit on guys like Deshaun Mims. So there's a there's a lot of Man. wide receiver talent and like a ton. But there there are some good DBs, but I think you're right. I think this is going to be the year of the wide receiver at the draft in terms of uh, guys with sneaky ability that will turn some heads. And we, we knew that last year was going to be DV, DB and linebacker heavy. Like looking at the crew, looking at the versatility these guys had, um, another big thing in this draft class, Connor, tight ends. Theo Johnson, Penn State, uh, he was a big-time recruit when he signed there. He's now on the list. We've got Tanner McLaughlin, the Arizona tight end. A um, couple others that are bigger-bodied guys, but look to be quite impressive on first glance. Um, playmakers. Now, who's going to throw them at the combine? Hell if I know. But they're going to make plays regardless of who's putting the ball out to them. All right. So as we kind of go through this, Connor, I'm going to start throwing names at you. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like, maybe. Um, and we're going to just kind of piece together some some random player profiles, I guess. Sure. I'm going to start you off with a law ball. Probably going to get picked off by this guy. Kevin Victome. Your guy, TK. I'm going to give you a nice GG to start it off. Nice GG to start it off. Well, Kevin Victome for me, that is an an extremely easy one. I've been talking about this guy. We have been talking about this guy for years. Eight games this year, 29 tackles. Only one INT on the season. Some people might look at that and go like, oh, well, he only has one INT on the season. But that's not necessarily a stat that's indicative of his play for me because when you watch Kevin Victome play – he only has one INT because teams don't want to try him. He is so good as a lockdown corner, zone corner, man corner, whatever you want him to do. Bump inside, play a little bit of slot corner too, like a little bit of that halfback position, uh, man up on those routes. He can do whatever you need him to do. We saw it at the East-West Bowl. He's twitchy. He tackles very, very well. And uh, um, if the play is to his side, he's around the ball. Okay. Kai, Kai I don't know if, uh, this is going to be acceptable to say, so we'll kind of avoid saying names. But I was talking to someone um, who played against Kevin Victone this year. And this was the conversation and how it went. TK is nasty. And what I said, the guy goes, oh, yeah, our meetings all week, we just decided we were not going to throw to that side of the field. Because the second we threw it near him, we knew it was in trouble. But we ended up having to throw near him because Ottawa was so loaded in the back end with the Cumberbatches that you have to put the ball near PK and you just kind of hope that he doesn't make you pay for it because more times than not, it's happened. So like teams were legitimately scheming away from Kevin Victome. And I feel like Louis Laveau fell into the same conversation. I, I know, can't help it. They're both at Ottawa schools. Um, but TK, Louis Laveau, pure coverage skills connor i don't think it's really that close yeah their coverage skills are, are something to watch and there's a reason guys like kevin mctome were east west bowlers and we saw that um 
But hit me with another name, or I'll give you a name, and you can you can tell me what you think. Go for it. Give me one. All right. Let me pull up the list here. Let me pull up the Christ, list. Here. I've got a one in ninety-seven chance. A one in ninety-seven chance. Well, you took oh. TK, so that's okay. Okay, I have two names for you. This one kind of like ties into some news that popped up. So you give me a law ball off the first one. I'm going to give you a law ball here off of this one. So it came out earlier this week, and I guess we could have started the episode off with this too. A little bit of news, but um, reports came out that there was a ton of NFL teams visiting UBC. Uh, I don't know if it was like this week, this year, whatever. No, but my it was, thing it was with early this is, in the season. Yeah. Okay. But here's where I'm going with this. Here's exactly where I'm going with this. If you're UBC and you have Theo Benedet and Giovanni Manu, who stand six foot seven, 300 pounds, and six foot eight, 340 pounds, respectively, I would hope there would be at least a little bit of interest from professional organizations to see what these two mighty offensive linemen might be about because they were part of the reason that UBC was one of the best in the country this year. Um, yes. And getting to see them live for the first time, obviously we cannot fly out to Vancouver and watch these games on a regular basis for UBC. Um, and getting a look in person compared to a look on tape. Geo Manu is the real deal. I, I know Theo Benedet has gotten all the praise and all the awards. Um, Manu to me looks like he has a bigger frame, like, Connor, you know the big Donjo and E-braces? Oh, yeah. Okay. Gio Manu had a Donjo and E-brace, and his calf exploded out the side. It was like someone was trying to, like, uh, you have, okay, Christmas season. You guys know I like to bake. You know, like, the icing bags? It's yeah. like someone had the icing and was, like, trying to squeeze it down the far side, and it was just blasting out the far end because his legs are so thick that from quad to knee, there was not much of a difference. And then calf, it's supposed to get a little bit smaller than your quad. There was still no difference. So it was like it like re-emerged back out the other side. Um, I'm I'm really excited for Gio Manu. I don't think he's going to get the uh, NFL attention as Theo Benedet, even though I think his frame is a bit more equipped for it. But... I think he's going to be an instant impact player, kind of like Bryce Bell was with the Stamps. I think Gio Manu is instant impact, whatever team gets him in the CFL. Do you think these are both guys? I mean, maybe not both guys that go to the NFL, but do you think these are both guys that at least earned looks to the East-West Shrine Bowl? Well, I don't know how that works because Theo played in it last year. Gio Manu most likely, but I don't know if there's a rule about him coming back to play again. Um, I think that Gio and Theo both have a good chance at being a late round draft pick. Certainly both will get mini camp invites and we all know where it can go from there. But um, I think these guys have chances to be selections like draft selections in the NFL this year. So they may be gone forever, guys. I don't know. Um, I can't really say who I think are gone forever players are going to be. Maybe Isaiah Adams from Illinois is going to be a gone forever guy, but uh, you never know. This is a really interesting draft for who could possibly make an impact down south and who can stay up and maintain a career in the CFL. My turn for you. 
Okay, I gave you DB. Oh. Running back. Running back. Yeah, because running backs are an interesting point of contention for me in the CFL draft as it's very rare to see a guy go and make an impact. I know we had Bertrand Houdon last year. Um, Matthew Peterson, Can West MVP this year. How do you kind of see him sifting through this draft and combine season? Yeah. Um, okay. Matthew Peterson, he's an interesting one to me. Running backs usually are in the CFL draft because I don't know, like there typically isn't a lot of running back value in the CFL. Not that there's not value. Sorry, I should rephrase that. It's not a position, it's not a position that's often valued highly in the CFL draft, I guess is what I mean to say. But there are a lot of good running backs. You know, we've seen guys like Daniel Adaboboye go high recently or higher recently. I think he was, what, 15th in the second round when he went? Yeah, he was in the second round, I think. Yeah, he went he went 15th overall in the he went 15th overall to Toronto in the second round in 2022. And that's the guy I kind of want to bring up to compare for Matthew Peterson because I think that's the type of process that you have to have to make yourself a guy that's going to stand out in the CFL draft. Like he had an incredible season, obviously this year, 1300 yards, four touchdowns. It was averaging 8.4 yards a carry. That's great. But you need to go out and have the, you know, the, the kind of combine process that out of a boy did where he, he came in, had a, like a four, six jumped really well, ran really well, performed really well in, in all of the drills and then he goes out into camp and he's, you know, an absolute special teams monster because that's how he made himself valuable. That's how he stuck around on the roster. And I think that's how you do it, not only for running back, but for, for every position, right? Like you get your break on special teams. So I think kind of that's what the comparison I would like to see out of Matthew, uh, out of Matthew Peterson throughout the process. And I think it's something he's capable of. I mean, their metrics, their metrics are, are very similar, 5'10", 2'10" peterson and then adam Boye came in at like 510 218 in the combine process so i think that's kind of how you have to design your combine process as a running back not just peterson himself but as a running back i think adam Boye kind of gave the the blueprint for running backs in the cfl broad uh, draft process yeah and i think we saw that with polk too last year right like you show up yeah, the combine absolutely. you show your willingness to and you know what you might get sent back for a year but ultimately you're going to get that look in training camp and um, it's up to you to be that Brendan Glanders grinder on special teams. You make a career of yourself. Another um, good comparison there too. Yeah, absolutely. You're only saying that because he's a GG. Jackson Bennett. <laughs> I can go on. Um, but no, I, I, I'm interested with Peterson. The one running back corner that I think is going to light up the world in the combine process is Tanner Nelms. This guy yes. is going to, I have a feeling he is going to test like ape, you know what? Yes. And he is going to go crazy and everyone's going to go, whoa, wait. Quentin, Quentin Avery Scott had the bulk of the carries, but <laughs> what's going on with this guy? And that'll be kind of the similar Amaklar Polk, um, JP Simon Kendall look that we had last year from the GGs. So, uh, 
excited for Nelms to kind of take that opportunity. But uh, running backs certainly are a weird option. It seems like there is one true path. I shouldn't say one true path, but one path at a significantly higher percentage of resulting in your professional career occurring. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, uh, I get where you're going with that. For sure. All right. Hit me with it. Okay. I have a, I have a lineman that I'm very curious about and it's not an offensive lineman though. There's a lot of talent on that side that I could go to. He was a dominant defensive lineman this year in the OUA. Tyson Hergott. Oh. What do you make of him going into the CFL draft process? <laughs> okay, so Tyson Hergott, Connor, to me is a three-tech or a three-four defensive end, depending on your scheme, that is going to be able to make a ton of plays off the snap. He has a really quick first step, uh, really quick get-off, and he's violent. Like He is violent, violent at the point of attack. Um, one thing that concerns me a little bit about him uh, as we kind of go into the year, is the size. 259 is a D tackle. May not hold up in the duration of the CFL season, but if he bulks up, does he keep that same size? Did we not have a question about this with a similar prospect two years ago? I believe we had the same question about a guy a couple years ago and Josh Archibald out of McGill. And it was, you know, he really feasted on the inside, but can he stay at this weight and make that same impact or does he bulk up and lose a step? And I think to Archibald's credit, he's played a really good role in teams for the BC Lions over the last couple of years. And, you know, maybe, maybe sprinkle them in. I know they then turned around and drafted the the twins as well. So that kind of um, blocks that off for him kind of cracking rotations um, a little bit more, but for Tyson Hergott, same question applies. Can he get up to that 275-ish range and play on the interior like he has? Or does he have the speed to stay at a 250 and be an outside presence? Because we're seeing these guys get real quick, real twitchy off the edge. And I don't think you can stay at 260 like he is and be that. Because right now he's a tweener. He's a playmaker. And in the OUA, he gets a lot of people with speed on the interior, but at the next level, kind of bounces itself out in the trenches. Yeah, no, I, I'm interested with Tyson Hurdard because he's going to make a lot of plays. And when we get to the one-on-one section at a combine, like he's not going to get tandem blocks. He's going to be one-on-one with a guard, most likely, until they put him outside in call-ups. And he's going to be faster. He's going to be quicker than a lot of these guys. Um, just based off of that get-off. But if they get their hands on him, what happens? If you're going against a guy like Dumoulin Duguay from Laval, and he puts his mitts on you, are you getting buried? What about Daniel Shin, who stands at like seven feet tall at center? Oh, man. If he gets get his mitts on, on you, him. are you getting bounced out the club, or are you find your way into the bar? Like, what are we, we going to see when those matchups occur? So, I don't know. I... We will see. We will see. All right, Connor. Uh, my final one for you. I'm going to stick with the D-line. But we are going to go old. Do I want to do it to him? J.J. Messier, York Lions. Yes. I was really hoping you were going to ask me about this guy. To be honest, we will be honest. This is our 
lone York lion in the holding bay. I lone York lion. Man, I really like his style of play. I really like what he was for the York Lions defense this year, which was kind of the silver lining of the, of their their defensive season. Like he really stood out to me. He was a, he was a fantastic playmaker. He comes in on the draft list at 6'3", 230. And you know who came into the CFL as an absolute disruptor at 6'3", 230? Who? Anthony Bennett, the Regina Ram turned Winnipeg Blue Bomber. I think it's a very similar style of play. I think it's a very similar build in terms of like what you're looking at in terms uh in terms of what you're looking at on field the way they play the way they move um you know obviously anthony bennett was a first round pick so the tools i think he was one of the the scouting bureau guys like leading into the season as well so mm-hmm. uh, a little bit different draft stock that we're looking at here but i definitely think that's like the type of player that jj messier can be to me, turnover magnet is the is the thing um, the thing I like to kind of label him as because Connor, we saw a lot of sacks, we saw a lot of forced fumbles from him. Um, he finds his way to the football, kind of like Luke Brubaker did, but with York, they were getting walked up and down the field so much on that. When he made those plays, it was critical for his team. Now, obviously. He did not have a Taylor Elgersma making points out of those turnovers. Um, but a turnover is a turnover. And the ability to generate them is, is not a taught skill. I mean, it can be a taught skill, but there's certain guys like we played with, we played with a couple. They force turnovers, they find a way to get the ball back. Like Dylan Bell, uh, Tyler Ling were the two guys that I'm thinking of that we played with. They find a way to just get the ball out. It's a fumble. It's a pick. It's they're holding the ball, stripping it out as someone else is trying to bring someone down. Like they generate turnovers. And yeah, you know what? We can teach and we can do strip football drills and we can do punch out drills uh, in practice. But when it comes down to it, it's like a genetic code that just kind of snaps into place and you hit the matrix and all of a sudden you're like, turnovers. <laughs> Am I wrong on that? Like it's a no, legit. No. You were you were you were a ball magnet. Like the ball just found its way to you. But um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to single you out in those that category. Either. No, but I wasn't like <laughs> I was. And like yeah, JJ Messier is a four force fumble type of guy in eight games. Yeah, like it was a big thing in the NFL when Marlon Humphrey had like eight in seventeen. JJ Messi is doing four and eight, like it's the same pace. Every other game, he's making it happen for you. So, a fumble. yeah, like that's that's all. Two sacks on the year, four TFLs. Like he he did have a very disruptive season along the York. Considering team. how much teams threw against York, that's a that's a that's a good volume. When you're a guy of you know his notoriety too on the line, yeah, you know you're getting doubled and tripled, like. You know you are the go-to guy for the York Lions. You are taking on double and triple teams. There's no doubt about it. Yes, no doubt. And uh, 
his ability to his ability to work one on one will be able to be seen more at the combine, I believe, than anything else. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that number, by the way, just before we move on, the four force fumbles that led U Sports this season. <laughs> All right. Fine with me. Um, excited to see where some of these players go. Do you have an extra one for me? Uh, I do, actually. I do. I think. Okay, hit me with it. Okay, hold on. I have two. I'm going to, uh, I'll go with my actual pick and then I'll go on my two minute appreciation rant after that. How's that sound? Good with me. For one position because there's a ton of talent there and I, I need to talk about it. But I have kind of an under the radar pick. Uh, we threw him on the list late this evening uh, and that is Brandon Martin from St. FX. I think he had a really good season for that X Men defense, uh, looking at what he did. Four TFLs, a fumble recovery, two INTs. But my favorite stat on this one is the seven pass breakups. 27 tackles, or sorry, 32 total tackles, 22 solo, and seven PBUs as a DB. Uh, to me, again, that just screams that, you know, you're around the ball, you want to make plays. Uh, so I think he is somebody out of the AUS to watch in the upcoming draft process. We always need to give love to our AUS guys. And I think he is one that we need to... Uh, maybe look a little bit more closely at give love to our AUS guys. Connor, you're going to be sitting here screaming for Daniel Bell to be drafted in the first round for the next three months. And absolutely giving more love to the AUS guys. Like you don't already. Um, Absolutely. (laughs) No, there's a lot of good quality players um, across the board, across the country this year. And I'm excited to see how this sifts itself into a 100 numerical list a to z um we have it alphabetic almost alphabetical right now um gotta say i'm excited i'm ready to go i think we could probably have this draft 100 crushed by i don't know start of february i don't think that's unrealistic (laughs) we'll decide on the release date but uh for now for now the holding bay is Locked and loaded. We are ready to start sorting guys. Um, is that it at all? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You gotta you gotta give me 30 seconds here to shout out the kickers in this draft class. I didn't get to do that. We love our kickers here and punters, CFP and punters, kickers and punters. But these are some of the guys. Uh, if you are a, a special teams fan like us, uh, these are some of the guys that you need to uh, appreciate as well during this draft process. Cole Crossett from Waterloo, obviously. Ben Hadley, St. FX. Max Capriotti, St. FX as well. Uh, there's a ton of other kickers on this Vinny list. Vinny Blanchard Vinny from Blanchard, Laval. Laval. Uh, I think those I think are the guys that uh, should they, be on, oh, the, oh, oh. on your radar. Ultimate kicker weapon, Jonathan Justini as well. Come on. All right, all right, all right. He was he was up there. He was up there under. But DB we have him well. listed threw as a DB. <laughs> threw me off. Threw me off. Jonathan just ATH. He's gonna get his own category in the 100 uh, positional ranking. It's just gonna be his own island floating outside the 100. As he should. As he should. His own color too. Maybe. Oh, we already have gold. Golden's tight end. You know what you Maybe should teach him to change. do? 
What? Because he's that athletic. Bring back the drop kick. Yes. Let me see a Jonathan Justini drop kick. That would just be the most athletic play you've ever seen. Think about it. You pick off a pass to end the half. You know you're not getting into the end zone, and Jonathan Justini just drop whips kicks a field goal, from whips like it twenty five yards out. Drop kick or punt, even like the ultimate weapon to score a point off a turnover. He just instead of going down because the clock is fired, he just rifles a rouge for you. That'd be dope. <laughs> that would be incredible. What a heads up play that would be. Um, all right, kickers, punters, DBs. Oh, long snappers, linebackers, D linemen. Uh, we've got a bunch. We are ready to go. It's time. As always, Wade Zank, Connor R. O'Neill, CF Perspective, Holding Bay is ready. I can tell you the pain, by the look on your face.